Hey guys, Abel here, and in this episode, I'm talking to Lawrence Neal, who hosts a really cool podcast at 15 Minute Corporate Warrior. His podcast is mainly dedicated to high intensity training, but he also interviewed some people outside of the high intensity training realms, such as Menno Henselmans, Berge Fagerli, or Brett Schoenfeld. In this particular episode, we mainly talked about the art of podcasting, becoming the best podcast host you can be, and the surprising challenges that a podcaster faces. We also talked about productivity and whether the success philosophies of Gary Vaynerchuk or Tim Ferriss are more appropriate for a content producer. All in all, I really enjoyed this interview and I'm sure you will too. Before we get into this episode though, I just quickly want to tell you that some really exciting stuff are happening in sustainable self-development land as of recent times. And as of lately, the sustainable self-development group has been brought to life more than ever. We have over a thousand awesome members and have daily discussions over some of the most interesting nutrition and training concepts. Also, the Norwegian mastermind himself, Berge Fagerli, has gotten on board not long ago and he's spreading his knowledge there too. And as of late, we've been doing these really awesome Q&A sessions with Berge in the group where we answer some of the best nutrition and training questions that have come in the group. So if you have not done so already, then be sure to go to facebook.com slash sustainable self-development and join the group. Also, you might want to know that Berge and I are currently working on a really epic training template, which will allow you to get, in our estimation, the best possible training stimulus without having to spend endless hours in the gym and pounding yourself with a bajillion sets every week and burning yourself out. And if this is something that sounds interesting to you, then head over to sustainableselfdevelopment.com and you can claim a 20% discount on this upcoming training template. All right, that's enough of the shameless plugging for now. And with that, let's get into the episode. All right, everybody, thank you for tuning in. Uh, today, I'm really glad to chat with Lawrence Neal. I uh, hope I pronounced your name right. That's all right, Abel, and I'm, uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, yeah, for me too. And um, I'm glad to talk to you because you have a podcast that I've been really enjoying lately and you interviewed thank you. some of the people that I really look up to in the field. And I really intrigued also by your podcasting style and the way you ask questions. And you seem like one of those few podcasting hosts who actually seem to be genuinely interested in what their guests have to say, which is so refreshing to hear because podcasting is kind of becoming a commodity these days. A lot of people are doing it and a lot of people... I wouldn't say are doing it for the wrong reasons. They could be doing it for the right reasons, but their overly sort of business-oriented approach really comes through their style. And you seem like you're really actually enjoying podcasting for what it is besides, I guess it also being a business for you. But yeah, so props yeah. to you. <laughs> no, thank you so much. That's such a massive compliment to me. And uh, yeah, I really appreciate it, Abel. That's really nice to, to hear. No, no, absolutely. And um, yeah, maybe just let's start there. So when did you exactly start your podcast and kind of what what was the first thing that inspired you to start your website and yeah, inviting guests to your podcast? So I, I'd been kind of dabbling in different online businesses like blogs and affiliate marketing and stuff like that. Um, I never had a lot of success. Um, I kind of defaulted to the health and fitness industry because that was my interest. Um, and you know, it, it made sense to me to develop a business in my passion. Um, and I'd the, the, how the kind of podcast started was I read a book 
um, called Body by Science, written by mm-hmm. Dr. Doug McGuff. Um, and Doug is from the kind of high-intensity strength training community. Um, and the book really changed the way I thought about exercise and nutrition. Um, it, it challenged a lot of my um, mindset and sort of preconceived notions. Uh, and I started putting it into practice and seeing great results and just thought, you know, there's something to this and it made sense and it worked for me. Um, and I just got absolutely, um, I just became fascinated in learning more about uh, this type, this way of exercising and that led me down a whole rabbit hole. And I thought, you know what, I, I kind of, I think I was inspired to first, this is funny, I've told this story a few times and it always changes because you remember new things about it. Um, so I'm trying to be as consistent as I can be. Um, but I, I think I actually was first inspired by uh, Brian Rose, who's the host of London Real, which is a podcast in London in the UK. Um, and he he interviews anyone really um, who's achieved anything, whether it be business, philanthropy, health and fitness, anything. And um, he's a very, very good interviewer. And um, I was really inspired by him. So I very much copied his format um, when I first approached Dr. Doug McGuff. And my, my reason for approaching Doug was I read Body by Science, but I was skeptical of a few things and I had so many follow-up questions and I really wanted to learn more about this um, this this way of exercising. So I I asked him for an interview and um, you know I never really expected to get a response and uh, you know Doug being the kind person that he is um, and very generous with his time gave me the opportunity and and I enjoyed it so much. You know, I, I learned so much talking to him and and Back to your initial point about you know I, the way I come across when I interview people, um, that's very much driven by a real genuine curiosity. Um, I really want to learn from the people I'm speaking to. I'm typically trying to solve my own problems and trying to understand more about things I don't know much about, um, genuinely. I mean, there are exceptions to that. Sure, I've done interviews that I found perhaps less enjoyable or maybe I was in the wrong frame of mind when I did them. Um, and, you know, to the, to the very... Uh, the good listener that may come across, uh, hopefully not, but but it may. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's normal. You know, if you've been podcasting for a very long period of time, if you've done hundreds, then eventually you're going to have one or two where maybe they just don't go great, and that's fine. Um, but but for the most part, I really try and bring that genuine curiosity to to the podcast. Um, and and to go back to the original question, you know, what, how did this all start? Well, that's kind of how it starts in terms of the podcast. Uh, and it was really driven by a passion. Sure, in the back of my mind, I always had this kind of view, okay, maybe this will build an audience and eventually I could turn that into a business and monetize our audience and so on. Um, but it was more so driven by the curiosity and the passion. And I do think that that's important um, when you're trying to start a business. If you're just doing it for the money, I mean, you probably know it's all, all too well, but it's, it's hardly sustainable if you don't have that real interest and passion for the subject. Um, and it was the first thing I did where I suddenly got a great deal of traction with a niche community. Um, you know, I was building up that that kind of 1,000 true fan target market and I was, re- it was really resonating with people and I could see how podcasting was taking off and I could see the opportunity with, and I'm sure you've experienced this, where you have someone on the show who's got a big audience and if they're kind enough to then share your work with their audience, then you get exposed to a whole new audience. Um, and it's a fantastic way to grow a community and to build your own brand, I suppose. Um, and that, that's been very, that's worked very well for me, so... Hopefully yeah, that answers the question. Yeah, no, I know it did. It did. And um, so uh, you mentioned that you sort of found your own niche with this high intensity training uh, sort of thing. Um, yeah, I think that this is something that for every content producer, that that's often the big challenge to f- find their own little niche. So uh, did this for you develop? I mean, I guess this is a tough question to answer as a content producer or the name behind the brand, but um, 
is was this something that developed organically over time or was there kind of a tipping point when you sensed that okay this is an opportunity and this is actually a niche that you could own pretty well yeah great question um so it started off with, I mean, as, as you, you may know this, having listened to some of the older episodes, um, the kind of focus was health, business, and time optimization. Um, so similar to you, self-development or personal development, productivity in all aspects of life. Um, and I, I decided on that category, that very broad category, um, which is a problem, and I'll get into that, um, because that's what I was interested in. And I thought, well, you know, I need to I need to pick a, a category that's going to sustain my interest, otherwise this isn't going to last. Um so with that, I started doing interviews outside of the realms of high-intensity training. So I was interviewing business owners and um, digital marketers and all sorts of different people, uh, you know, productivity authors like David Allen, people like that. Um, and as things went on, you know, I was still, I was still growing. Um, but then there came a point where I kind of plateaued in terms of downloads. Um, and I, I thought to myself, you know, I was doing a lot of reading at the time. I was reading things like uh, Blue Ocean Strategy and uh twits to mutable laws of marketing and there's a there's a chapter in there called law of categories very interesting yeah. um and i kind of decided you know i've got a loads of i've got an audience here that i've created um who are very very passionate about high intensity training either they're fanatical about that way of exercising and they love the efficiency of it um and just hacking health in general uh or optimizing it and then there are also the entrepreneurs who have businesses that just focus on strength training or high intensity training you know they they have studios and there's no content provider out there who's serving them who's showing them how to grow their business and i have a passion for business and a passion for health and fitness so i was kind of fusing those together without really realizing it um but then I kind of decided with that, I would niche down. I was scared because I thought, you know, there are days where I maybe don't want to talk about high intensity training or, or talk yeah. about high intensity training business. Um, you know, and that, that I thought would be a challenge because I'd get perhaps a little bit burnt out. Um, but I've now, now having focused on that fully and, and as I alluded to before we started recording, opening up services within that um, and other forms of content, I'm actually really, really enjoying it because I'm starting to develop more and more of a passion for understanding my customer who is really mainly um the aspiring or the existing high intensity training business owner and then serving them and i really believe that i've um done a fairly good job in terms of um creating a new category and the new category is is a podcast and content that helps high intensity strength training business owners because you think about it how many podcasts out there and Abel I'm not throwing you in the mix when I'm saying this um, or, or other content that just serves fitness enthusiasts or fitness businesses and I felt like I would get lost in that 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 kind of generalization but also if you think about it who am I competing with when doing a when 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 following when doing content under the health uh, business and time optimization. I'm competing with anyone who's doing anything on productivity. And obviously the, the leader in that we all know is Tim Ferriss, right? Yeah. You know, he coined lifestyle design. He's very much the go-to in that topic, I feel. And I was like, I can't compete against Tim Ferriss. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's another reason why I niche down. And uh, it's it doesn't, you know, and fast forward to now, it hasn't necessarily resulted in a lot of growth. I mean, the podcast is still growing and it currently gets in the region of 15 to 20,000 downloads per month um, or about, you know, two to three thousand downloads per episode now um but it's more it's more developing a quality content and service for a niche audience you know that kevin kelly's well-known blog post 1000 true fans is really really on the money um i think if you can create content and services and products for a very very niche community that you understand i think 
you'll go far. I think it's when we try and when we generalize and broaden ourselves out, it's when we, we struggle to get traction. So I guess in my view, the important skill to cultivate is the ability to identify your niche market um, and niche service or product, but then also be able to channel your passion into that and um, uh, and sustain your interest over the long term. Yeah, and it's your niching is a really good example of actually a really brave move because um, many people talk about niching and not generalizing too much, but then they will say something like, personal development for smart people or something which is like well yeah it's a little bit of a niching but it's not i mean it's still pretty broad i mean because <laughs> pretty much who belongs to that everybody pretty much and yeah high intensity training for or high intensity training for um or what is it productivity and fitness for high intensity business owners or well it's it's actually helping um high intensity training business owners so these are these are guys and girls who just focus on uh, strength training and they very much follow the kind of arthur jones mike mensah dr doug mcguff kind of philosophies or ken hutchins I should also throw in there. Um, they follow those principles when they train clients, but they all have obviously very similar business models, right? So it's basically creating content and services that serve them specifically. You know, my stuff's more likely to resonate than a generic fitness business content provider. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's um, yeah, it's really interesting. In in my journey, I had had one or had, had a couple of moments when I kind of looked up and just realized that I'm not, I wouldn't say wasting my time because I was getting a lot of fulfillment from podcasting, but I realized, I'm, I'm sure you know the podcast called Sigma Nutrition. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So oh, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sigma Nutrition, of course, yeah. Yeah, and I, I kind of realized that I'm sort of becoming one of those fitness podcasts who is kind of trying to be the little brother of uh, or bester child of Sigma Nutrition. Like um, when I asked my guests who they want to hear on the podcast, they were always submitting these requests for people who were interviewed previously on Sigma Nutrition and they wanted to hear about the same topics. And I was like, well, I kind of pigeonholed myself into something which I don't really want to do. And like, I'm still kind of working on finding my own, I wouldn't say my own voice exactly, because I do think that I found that, but to sort of find that one specific niche that I, I want to want to target. It's, it's an ongoing challenge and like props to you that you found it rather early than uh, I suppose. Well, uh, not. I mean, I will just say I, it's it, it's not been that easy. Like, um, I don't want you thinking that um, I found it early because actually, I really only focused on this niche. Um, I would say sort of six months ago is when I really I fully committed because um, before then I wasn't sure. Uh, and for a long, long time, I was trying to find my my voice and my niche and um, and try. You know, and I had a lot of self doubt. I mean, all of us in this space, entrepreneurs. And those that don't admit it suffer from it. I don't care what they say. Everyone has self-doubt, um, yeah. you know, imposter syndrome, uh, questions what they're doing, you know, all of that stuff. I think it's just who can who can push through that, I think, is who comes out on top. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it's, it is a constant. And I still have challenges now. Like, you know, I still have I still have doubts and um, uh, things don't always go my way. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a continuous thing. Yeah, absolutely. And... Um... One thing that you kind of mentioned offhandedly there is that um, some days you don't feel necessarily like talking about high intensity training. And I think this is sort of the that that's also a balance that I think every content producer is trying to 
uh, strike after some point, especially after the podcast have gotten some traction and some sort of core audience have been developed, where you're trying to find that balance between letting your creative juices flow and still trying to be on point from a content consistency standpoint. So how do you how do you feel about that? So on the days when I mean, do you have days when you just feel like talking about something completely different on your podcast or you're just sick of okay like who else did i not interview about high intensity training like uh like come on like i just want to talk about i don't know what like something completely different how do you do you have these sort of internal battles every once yeah. in a while yeah and um, a few few points to raise about this um one thing i found very useful is I, if you notice, I try not to, certainly more recently, certainly in the last kind of six months or so, I try not to duplicate content. So if someone wants to come on the show and talk about, and they're, they're another trainer who's been doing high intensity training for a long time and has their own style or whatever, I sometimes find those to be challenging because they're very similar, right? Mm -hmm. um, the, the training tips are the same, the, the story similar. So that, that can get monotonous. So what I have developed a real interest in though is trying to take something really specific within either exercise or, so I say high intensity training, within that I still cover things like, as you know, nutrition, lifestyle, um, thing, you know, sleep, things that affect uh, one's overall health. So I will try and go really deep on a specific aspect within that. Um, so for instance, uh, I've got a call today with a good friend of mine who's uh, an entrepreneur within the HIT space called Simon Shawcross. And we're recording a part two on how to instruct the perfect high intensity training workout. So it's a very, very specific question and topic. And what I enjoy about that is I really like getting deep on that specific thing. And then what gives me a lot of fulfillment is the fact that I know I've covered it from every angle so that when one of my members or clients or um, listeners hears that, they're gonna get a lot out of it. So I get more fulfillment now out of knowing that I'm adding a lot of value to the listener, even if it's a subject I might not be hugely curious curious about. There are times where those intersect, and that's obviously the sweet spot, where I'm really curious about something for my own interest, but it also happens to be um, something that you know my listeners are really interested in too. Um, but yeah, just in terms of, so it's, it's the same for business. Like if I, I, I'm, I was interviewing someone yesterday, and we were talking about pricing, and it was cool because I could dig into pricing in a high intensity training business context because i have a member who has a challenge right now where they're charging too too low they need to increase their prices they have a lot of clients but their 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 per session rate is really low um and so he was like well how do i do that without losing customers like he wants the details like do i how do i say it how do i communicate it do i send an email what increments do i increase to you know all these little nuanced bits of that question right um and so what i had the opportunity to do yesterday was go into that with someone and i know that that person I was talking to the other day, that member is going to listen to that and go, bingo, got it, I'm going to do that. And that's very satisfying. And when you start getting, and I'm sure you've got that, Abel, when you start getting feedback from people who really find stuff useful and you start building up an awareness of what your audience needs from you and what they want to learn about, and then you start proactively creating content on that specific stuff until you've created this perfect library and archive of stuff that will answer all these questions that's quite satisfying in its own right um so so that that is kind of how i've tackled that challenge i suppose yeah no yeah. That, that that's really really um valuable uh, piece of information and and um speaking of podcasting challenges 
How do you, uh, this is, I think this is also um, a big challenge for, for podcasters who are trying to nail down a specific niche and have sort of one core message that they are trying to uh, project out with their content is that when they have guests who seemingly preach uh, opposite messages about the same topic, which, um, I mean, I, I don't think this is, a, and anybody who is podcasting will know what I'm talking about, because this is really I think a difficult thing to handle internally uh, when you're going through this as, a, as an interviewer, uh, especially in your case, because the high intensity, uh, especially sort of the super slow kind of training, that's a very specific philosophy on training and um, not, I mean, it's, it's a pretty, um, it's dividing the industry. Like uh, there are many people who don't agree with it and there are people who do agree with it. So like I knew right away when I saw that you're interviewing Menno Henselmans and I, I've been following Menno, for example, for a long time. And I know that his approach could not be farther from the high intensity, super slow kind of training. So when you're hearing <laughs> someone like that um, uh, saying things that don't really go in accordance with what some of your other guests are saying on the topic or what you're talking about on your podcast, how do you kind of handle that? Like what's your internal dialogue during an interview like that? Well, it's like I'm on a quest to reconcile it then, right? Yeah. <laughs> because if, if Menno, I respect you know, enormously and obviously is a great physique and helped many, many people. Um, if he disagrees with, if, he, if what he's saying fundamentally disagrees with what Doug says or what um, Drew Bay is saying, who are high-intensity training advocates, then how do I reconcile that? How do I better understand why there's a big delta, like why they disagree? So then for me, I just really try to suspend any dis uh any disagreement or um i try to just i try to just ask better questions to just develop an understanding um because if i try if my ego gets in the way or my cognitive bias gets in the way then i can't make it a productive interview um and i know that my guests sorry my listeners really like it when they hear a counter view because they they want to hear the other side right because they're open-minded and they want to be challenged um, and that's healthy, I think, to be like that. I think you have to be a little bit careful. And this, this reminds me of something you said before we were recording, which is, you know, if you're constantly challenging your own beliefs, it can almost paralyze you because then you don't know what to believe. <laughs> um, so you kind of have to have faith and believe in yourself a little bit and just execute experiment tests on yourself. I mean, you've done a lot of self-experimentation, so I'm sure you're very good at that. Uh, I'm not too bad at it, but I'm not perfect. So, yeah, it's, uh, don't get me wrong, I've had my challenges. I've had instances in a podcast where I'm like, you know, a good example is Andy Galpin. You know, Andy Galpin is a PhD. Uh, I believe his focus is on muscle fiber and he's an intelligent guy. And, very, you know, quite well known. He was on Joe Rogan's podcast as well um, within the last sort of, 12 months. And I really fundamentally disagreed with pretty much everything he said <laughs> or a lot of what he said. Um, and I found it really... Uh, I found it quite frustrating at times, but uh, because I felt he also, um, I thought he was a tiny bit um, disrespectful of some of the people within high intensity training. Um, you know, I, I don't mind, obviously I'm totally happy with skepticism and, you know, appreciate his opinion and respect him and, and all of that. But um, just certain things he said, I, I was, I just thought, I mean, a lot of this was offline. It wasn't necessarily on the podcast. I just thought it was a little bit unfair if I'm honest. Um, but that's that's fine. That's his opinion. But uh, but yeah, I struggle with that. So I don't know if you noticed, but what I did, and this assumes Abel that you've listened to my whole catalog, which I'm sure you have not got time time to waste to do that. <laughs> but um, I did a I did a, a round 
a, sorry, a two-round roundtable, two-part roundtable with um, Ryan Hall, Drew Bay, and Skylar Tanner, who are all, you know, high-intensity training sort of advocates. Um, and, uh, you know, I used the opportunity to ask all three of them to review Andy's podcast. Um, and now, obviously, you know, they have their own biases and that's fine. But it was useful to hear their criticisms so that I could learn more about... Um, I guess both opinions and try and draw my own conclusion from that. That makes sense. Um, and also on this, I really like um, something that Mark Andreessen says. He's a famous Silicon Valley uh, entrepreneur, investor, very successful guy. Um, and he's got the saying, which is, um, oh, what is it? It's something like strong beliefs loosely held. So have strong beliefs, but when the evidence presents itself, that's, you know, compelling evidence that is substantial, be prepared to change your mind. And that's the best way to be, I think. Um, it's it's just dangerous when you're too much on the fence, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, have you um, have you ever had the challenge of sort of, um, or have you been concerned at any one point that you're compromising by? putting yourself in the, and this is a very, by the way, this comes from a very personal concern mm. sort of place, which I, I've had this challenge at one point, and this was really kind of paralyzing me, uh, that I was concerned that by putting myself in the shoe of the interviewer, I'm kind of giving up my role as an independent sort of thinker, or, well, I dare to say authority too much, because I'm always kind of belittling myself to the people that I'm interviewing. Uh, have you had that uh, kind of concern at any one point? I have. I... I worry about it all the time. Um, I think it's, I, do you know, what? I don't know what to think on this because there are times where I'm, I know from feedback from my audience that they don't always see me as the expert because I do very much put myself in the, the learning chair, right? During the podcast, um, probably similar to you. And however, at the same time, I also get people come to me who, um, who do think I'm an expert and ask for my opinion or, And then the other third group is people that come to me to ask me about who is the expert <laughs> or who should I refer them to or whatever when it comes to like, you know, training consultancy. But I did actually try launching a kind of health and fitness or high intensity training coaching business uh, to help people online uh, or in person with their, their their training challenges and body composition and stuff like that. And I did find that very challenging. Um, and I believe that is mainly because I was more the curator than the expert, yeah. you know, um, If you look at someone like Danny Lennon, he's done a great job of positioning himself as an expert, um, and he he he's does he, he's so skilled at coming across open-minded, you know, coming across effectively with his guests in terms of um, getting great information out of them without ever really losing this position of an expert. And he, I don't know how he does it. <laughs> uh, I've had Danny on the show, actually. We didn't really dig into that specifically. Um, but but you'd have to ask him how he does that. But um, I know another podcaster who's also a business coach of mine called James Shramko, who's oh. a very successful entrepreneur. And um, he's actually very cognizant of this. So when he does um, podcasts, he will, he will communicate with his guest and with his audience in a way that... 
um, backs up his credibility as an entrepreneur so that he doesn't sound like he's a complete newbie. Now, in terms of the tactical side, like how he does that, I couldn't really say because I don't really, I'm not an expert myself. Um, but then again, it's a bit of a catch-22 because as you've said to me, Abel, you, you respect the fact that I'm incredibly open and honest and authentic. So there is reward to be had by being so authentic, right? So, yeah. yeah, exactly. So I don't know is the answer. I'm sorry if that's not a very satisfying answer. I, I don't, no, if you are sacrificing your position as an expert, um, if you are being incredibly um, vulnerable during your interviews, because I think there is so much reward by being vulnerable that outweighs any downside. Because, yeah, I just now I think about it, I've had so much good feedback on being vulnerable. Um, and I think there's not enough of that out there. I think if we're just looking at this from a world's best for the world <laughs> type of uh, perspective, I think more we need more podcasters who are just real, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I don't like, know if that's a good answer. But. No, it's, no, I mean, it, it, I'm, I'm glad to see that you're having that sort of dilemma somewhat yourself. And for me personally, what helped there is to simply record solo episodes besides the mm. interviews because... I, I do see some people who I can tell that they are really careful at never positioning themselves as a learner during their podcast. And honestly, it's I have a hard time listening to their interviews because it just it's so annoying or nerve-wracking to listen to it because they're interrupting their guests all the time. They're not letting them finish their sentences. And when there's a perfect opportunity to ask a follow-up question, instead they're just making their own comments to let the audience know that they're knowing their stuff. And it's really it's, it's frustrating to... Yeah, frustrating to listen to these podcasts. So I think, um, yeah, it's I think it's it's potentially worth that little bit of a trade off and then making that up in some other way because it's just podcasts like yours are just more fun to listen to and it's a better experience on the listener end. So, yeah. Um, now another question which we were kind of talking about off air is um, sort of your mentality about growing your your business and your online presence and. Um, we were talking about the Gary Vaynerchuk versus Tim Ferriss sort of outlook on this. And uh, you had a great episode. I'll link to it in the show notes so people can check it out because it was a really cool listen where you basically contrasted their philosophies on on business. And kind of Gary V is this, don't think about anything, just grind until your eyes are bleeding and <laughs> something will come out of it. And Tim Ferriss is very much that if you're incredibly busy, that's another form of laziness basically because you're just working brainlessly. So... What is kind of, yeah, how did you manage to juggle these two philosophies and which, at this point, which one is the one that worked out better for, for you? Such a big question. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my best to answer this. Um, I guess the short answer would be that I'm, I am more on the Tim Ferriss um, side of things because I think his approach resonates with me much, much more um, because I'm a big advocate of being effective over being efficient. Um, I do think a lot of time gets wasted. I do think a lot of Gary Vaynerchuk's following waste their time with stuff that's perhaps not that important. Um, you know, to be more specific, I do, I mean, as I was saying to you before we got recording, there's a wonderful video by Tim Ferriss that you just published on um, content marketing and vanity metrics. And I'll send you that to put in the show notes if you want to. Um, and what you've got to remember is, is that in a lot of cases, so if we're talking about social media, Gary Vee is very popular of saying you've got to be on all these platforms. You've got to be on, on you know, Instagram, Twitter, fill in the blank, Snapchat. Um, and you've got to be downloading five new apps a day, every day and testing. The, you know, I am taking a lot of this out of context. I just want to caveat what I'm saying because I'm sure Gary says stuff and then he's like, oh yeah, that's, 
actually, if you ask me that in this context, I'd probably say something different. So you always have to take context into account um, when you when thinking about this stuff. Um, but anyway, I, what I really liked about Tim's videos, he talked about how, you know, likes, shares, what are the other metrics? I don't know, claps <laughs> um, <laughs> on social media don't always convert into dollars, you know? Um, they don't always mean anything. You know, if you've got something that's getting loads of likes, if it's not effective in converting someone to a customer or, or meeting a certain objective, sending them to a certain page, um, targeting your target market, doing all of that, then it really doesn't matter. It's kind of just noise. Um, but because society's perception is that these vanity metrics are so important and so highly valued, it's easy to get confused and, and uh, sedu seduced by all of that. Um, so that's, that's where I have an issue with this whole like huge focus on free, trying to be on all of the different social media platforms. That doesn't mean that social media is not effective. Of course it is. I mean, Facebook right now, I mean, in terms of paid advertising on Facebook, it's incredibly underpriced, as Gary would say, um, and great return on investment if you get it right. I mean, he's absolutely dead on, I think, when he talks about how right now Facebook advertising is so underpriced and, you know, in a couple of years, it's not going to be the same and you're going to wish you did take advantage of this opportunity. I think he might be right on that. Um, but I think you just have to be very focused and deliberate about your actions and if you're doing this stuff without actually having a clear objective in mind for your business or whatever it is you're trying to do then you shouldn't be doing any of it you shouldn't be doing any of the tactical stuff until you've figured out your objectives um and i, th I just think you know gary vaynerchuk's approach um the thing is he might not even disagree with what i just said he might agree with that but because his content is so ubiquitous and he focuses so much on hustle and grind and being on social people can miss that and then they just focus on the work and just being on these platforms for the sake of it yeah. uh, and that can be that can be quite damaging um i think Absolutely. and counterproductive um so that's kind of why i tim's approach resonates with me more um in terms of being very deliberate with my behavior and my activity um yeah, I've lost much. I had something else I was going to say, Mark, about to me, but I guess that's what I'd say about it to this point. Yeah, no, I, I threw a huge question on you, and, and I mean, this pretty much. Is, I mean, there's a reason why <laughs> a, a separate podcast episode on this just alone. Um, like, I, I kind of feel like um, Gary's approach. I think is it's almost like a type of resource that is good to revisit every once in a while to yeah. give yourself kind of a kick in the butt. Like, I think it's not. I always kind of find myself subscribing and unsubscribing from his channel like every two months <laughs> <laughs> because because it can be very inspiring. Like sometimes I just get so overwhelmed and paralysis by analysis kind of thing. I just don't know what to do. Or at least I, last time I had this was a couple of months ago. And then go ahead and listen to some Gary speech with some inspirational music under that is is kind of a nice wake up call. But oh, completely agree. Yeah. yeah. But 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 at the same time, I, I don't think that's a something that is a kind of a long term thing that someone should listen to and and kind of get. Not, not not something not, not like a long term manual for content production because I almost feel like it's a cop out like it's it's almost like as if a personal trainer told you to just don't think about how you're gonna train just go to the gym and lift the weights and just don't care about anything and it's like well yeah sure it's better than nothing if someone never worked out at all but like at some point someone's just gonna injure themselves if they just go to the gym and lift mindlessly right that's a really really good analogy I think that's spot on I think that's a really good way of looking at it um, if I could just add something I meant to say is. I 100% agree with you. Gary is the perfect place to go, Gary Vaynerchuk's YouTube or, or podcast, if you want to kick up the ass. If you're feeling 
a little bit demotivated. He is in, unbelievably infectious and such a happy, grateful guy that he can be really effective. And he makes me want to take on the world, you know, when I, when I listen to him. Um, however, to your point, I have to switch off from him every now and again. Um, and I have to do that with lots of different gurus. And I think there is a huge problem. And this is something I've actually heard. This is ironic. I've heard this ironically from different gurus myself. Um, is, is you really have to find your guru. I hate the word guru, but it's the first thing that comes to mind. Hmm. Um, you have to find your guru, the person who resonates with you, and then really go deep with their work, as opposed to going high touch and um, broadly, you know? Yeah. Um, because otherwise you do get all these conflicting messages. Um, and if you're an entrepreneur, that can be really, really paralyzing. It's slightly different if you're like a scientist. Like if you're a scientist or a researcher, let's take exercise, for example, uh, and you want to learn what's the most effective protocol, it actually might serve you in a way to look at Brad Schoenfeld's work and then read Dr. Doug McGuff's books and um, you know try and, and reconcile these two approaches. That might actually be a, a worthwhile pursuit. But I think when it comes to entrepreneurship, I think it's more productive to have maybe one or two people that you follow. I mean, just... For example, um, you know, I recently invested in coaching with uh, James Shramko, who I mentioned earlier, who's an Australian entrepreneur, mm-hmm. uh, and he's got a he's got a membership called Superfast Business, and uh, you know, I, I I owe James a lot. Um, you know, I've got a lot of value out of being a member of that, and it's helped me build my own membership. Um, and run that and grow that. And it's probably been one of my most successful businesses today, if not the most successful business I've started. Um, and I've just gone really deep with James's stuff. Um, you know, every bit of content he's done, he's got on the membership, his content on YouTube, different podcasts he's done. I've just, I just really enjoy his perspective. He's very no nonsense. Uh, he's proven, um, I like his, I just like his style. It really resonates with me. Um, and so that's been quite good. And whenever I've gone off, off the mark and started consuming too much of Gary Vee in, in conjunction, it's not necessarily served me that well. Uh, and then I suppose before James, I'm very much a big fan, as you know, of Tim Ferriss, and I follow his work for a very long time, and I've gone very deep on his work. Um, and that's also been equally helpful and beneficial. Um, but but now for me personally, I found that, you know, I'm, I'm ready to work with, I've needed a business coach for a while. And uh, this business coach, as I said, really resonates with me. And so I'm going deep in their work at the moment. And that's kind of, that's kind of working better for me. And Abel, I think for you, um, that might actually work really well for you, you know, figure out, you know, your, your path going forward and then maybe have a, maybe consolidate your gurus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and can you give me a pitch for Tim Ferriss's work? Like, what is it that like there's a couple of sound bites that I really took home from him. For example, the, um, don't try to create content for everybody. Just have like one person in mind. And if you can create an awesome resource for them, then that's a win. I think that's yeah. a very useful kind of heuristic for myself to keep in mind. But sometimes I lacked kind of specificity in his messaging. Like um, sometimes I felt like he's talking around, giving specific advice at times and talks a little bit too much about like morning routines and whatever, boiling poor tea or whatever in the morning too much. (laughs) But like, what were the couple of tips that were really big game changers for you from his, his work? Yeah, I agree. I'm not, I'm not a massive fan of all the uh, late night routines and morning routines. Uh, I have, that being said, um, I have taken a few of those things, but um, when he does a podcast about that stuff, I'm not that interested. (laughs) Where I've got most of the value from Tim is productivity. Four-hour work week had a huge impact on me. Um, You know, I, I, it's the first time I discovered Pareto law, Parkinson's law, um, it, you know, if the effective executive, um, how to think about productivity. So, his his reiteration of the principles from the effective executive, you know, things like, um. 
oh god it's not it's not how you it's not how you do it's what am i trying to say this now it's 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 this emphasis on efficiency rather than effectiveness and we should be focused on effectiveness oh yeah yeah. that's far more important um and uh you know, just the, the, the downsides of busyness and how busyness isn't product, you know, being productive necessarily. That side of things really is where I've got the most value out of Tim's work. Um, because I actually, I actually read that and I put it into practice in my corporate career in London. And I was earning, you know, six-figure salary. I was top sales guy. And I was literally getting my most important work done in the first few hours of the morning. And I actually managed to execute on his principles. And I actually talked about that in one of my podcasts in some detail. I have to be careful because I might upset a few people. <laughs> um, but it meant that I could put a little bit more time into my blog and my podcast. And so I am, I am a real example of someone who has actually taken the, the, the principles from the four-hour work week, which gets a lot of flack. I mean, a lot of people can't stand that book, right? Yeah. Um, and they don't think it can be done, but you know, I assure you it can. And I've done it. <laughs> um, and... Yeah. And so for me, that's where I've got a lot of the value. And the four hour body was big on me as well. You know, um, I did the slow carb diet for a very long time. I just, I love his focus on elegance and simplicity. You know, he takes something and he just makes it so achievable and easier to be compliant with um, and get very good results. He's very good at getting great results with very little inputs um, and, and, and keeping it very, very simple, which I think, I think when it comes to that, there's no one better on the planet right now, if I'm honest. Um, yeah. So that's that's where I've derived most of the value from Tim, I'd say. Yeah. So um, yeah, man, I'm, I'm really enjoying this. Like, I, I could really go on for for ages of talking about these things because uh, yeah, <laughs> like, I, I love these topics. And um, since I know that you soon have a, a hard stop, uh, maybe just let's finish up with like, how does a typical day look like in your life these days? And um, speaking of getting your most productive work done in a few crucial hours of the day like um how many how many hard working hours would you say you have in the day when you're accomplishing most of your things these days yeah it's a great question um so my my kind of ultimate productivity routine is again a, a template that i really stole from tim um and i mixed it with something else so i i i do the five minute journal mm-hmm. and i have a i have a a a a, a airline pilot like checklist in the morning, you know, walk the dog, feed the dog, um, feed the fish, <laughs> uh, you know, brew coffee, so on. Um, and then I, I journal and I will do, uh, you know, what I'm grateful for, I do the five minute journal routine. Um, and then I will look at all of my to-do list and I generally pull that from a Google sheet and from my calendar and anything that's not scheduled like this is optional, right? Like I would, I would not cancel on you unless there was an emergency. Like you, you had obviously the emergency before. Hope that's all gone well, by the way, for you. Oh yeah, um, yeah it is. And um, and so, um, I would not. So this is this is a commitment that I wouldn't, I wouldn't cancel unless something came up that was an emergency. So I don't have to motivate myself to do this. <laughs> mm. um, and obviously, it's a great opportunity for me too, and I appreciate it. Um, mm. But 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 I, I will make a list of all the things that don't fall under that, right? So all the things that I want to do, uh, and that's normally like ten things. And then I will ask myself two questions. I will ask myself um, if this is done, will it make everything else easier to knock off later, or um, if done, does this make everything else irrelevant or unimportant? So you probably know I stole that directly from Tim. Yeah. And I'll ask that for all of them. Right, yes or no next to each one, and it'll be two yeses or two noes or yes or no or whatever. And then I will just pick one that's had two yeses and I'll block out two hours and I just get to work. And that's that's it. <laughs> and then I, I, I literally have done that for the last year and the progress I've made based on doing that has been great. Um, and then I, I do the kind of make a manager schedule. So there's a famous essay called the make a manager schedule or something like that, mm-hmm. where you focus on your high 
uh, your creative, the work that requires the most brain power first thing in the morning. Mm-hmm. And then your your admin, your your management stuff in the afternoon. So your you know your your email, follow up, I don't know, uh, phone calls, stuff like that. Um, and then what I've more more uh, done more recently is I've started blocking out um, parts of my day or parts of my week to focus on certain activities. So I've identified what I need to do to serve my members in my membership. That is at the end of the day my highest my main source of revenue and therefore kind of my most important part of my little business world. So I will, so just to give you a bit more, put a little bit more color on that. I always tend to preserve the mornings for whatever needs to be done, whatever's highest on the list in terms of the creative stuff. And then the, uh, and then the rest of the, the afternoons are often blocked out for other things. So uh, today would normally be, um, would be, guest podcasts like this one Mm. um, and also calls for content creation for the podcast and calls with potential new clients so these are people that are considering becoming members I currently do like half an hour an hour phone call with them to understand their business um, and see if they're interested in coming on the the membership and then I also have that same block of time for actually recording content for the membership which is exclusive Um, and on Wednesday afternoons I block out time for uh publishing and marketing new podcasts. Um, what else is there? Uh, oh yeah, and I have a spot every afternoon which I just call membership service, which is just time I, I go through all my members and all of their goals and I try and make sure that I'm on on task to help serve all of their different objectives. Um, so yeah, I mean, and the rest of the calendar is really safe for, as I said just now, you know, the, the morning for the, the high impact creative stuff and then the afternoon for the admin. Um, aside from those blocks. So that's kind of how I how I manage my time at the moment. I do try and finish up around 6 p.m. So I try and, you know, I do try and make time for obviously my relationship <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and for fun. But I am the type of person, if I don't schedule fun, it won't happen. Um, mm-hmm. So for instance, tonight, as I'm sure you uh, you could guess, I'm um, I'm going to be watching England vs. Columbia and I can't wait. Oh, yeah. Uh, and that's at seven. So I'm, I've blocked that out in the diary. So that'll be a lot of fun. But I'm quite often if England, I don't do that. <laughs> What's that, sorry? I'm cheering for England, by the way. Um, oh, well, that's good. Um, my, very, my, very... my country can't play football. So I always have to pick a team on the World Cup so that I'm cheering <laughs> for. <laughs> well, where are you from? I'm uh, Hungarian by origin, ah, okay. actually. Yeah, I remember yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very good. Cool. Yeah, no, that was awesome. And uh, yeah, maybe another time we can also chat about some diet and training and th- that kind of, of stuff. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed this one. So uh, I know you have a hard stop now. So maybe just uh, tell people where they can find you and resources you would like them to check out. Sure. Um, best place to find me is if you go to uh, corporatewarrior.org and um, that will redirect you to all of my podcasts so if you're interested in high intensity strength training um, or evidence-based exercise and nutrition and also um, high intensity training business or, or even fitness business in general um, then hop on over to corporatewarrior.org and that's where you'll find you know all of my uh, podcasts uh, but there's buttons there for learning more about me and contacting me and happy to get an email through the website as well so that's probably the best place to find me Perfect. Awesome. Cool. Uh, Lawrence, thank you so much. This was an absolute pleasure. Abel, likewise. And I'm um, happy to do part two and um, let's connect soon, yeah? All right, guys. Hope you enjoyed this episode. And once again, if you haven't checked it out already, be sure to visit the Sustainable Self-Development Facebook group at facebook.com slash sustainable self-development. And if you haven't done it already, visit sustainableselfdevelopment.com to be up to date with everything that we've got going on there. All right. Thank you for hanging on up until now and see you in the next episode.